You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Real Presence Live. Thanks for staying with us. I'm one of your hosts this morning, Brandon Clark, joined by... Good morning, this is John Clark. John Clark, and we just finished up a... I would call it a power hour. It was... It was really good. We have another power hour coming, but you know, in our first half hour, we talked about a parent presentation coming up in the Diocese of Duluth called As for Me and My House, Defending Your Home Against Pornography. I'll be presenting that as I work for Covenant Eyes, and really it's an opportunity for parents to learn about the prevalence and the problem with pornography and receive the tools and resources and, and encouragement. That's another piece of it, encouragement to take back their home from these things that that try to get in and and hurt children. Uh, And if you did want to sign up for that webinar, you can visit dioceseduluth.org slash CE, dioceseduluth.org slash CE. It is Wednesday, this Wednesday, September 15th at 7 p.m. We also just finished up a wonderful, oh man, a wonderful conversation, but wonderful doesn't even do it justice with Eric Jenis, who is a composer and an artist and just a really a gift of the Lord to be able to go into prisons, to go into rehab centers, to go into nursing homes and reach the least of these with the beauty of music. And he's actually going to be coming to Fargo. The concert is next Monday at 7 p.m. at St. Santa Joachim Church. And we definitely want to encourage you to check that out. So if you've missed any of this, please watch for the podcast later today, at realpresenceradio.com, also on the Real Presence Radio app. And you wanted to mention something about the concert. Yeah, the concert, free will offering. Um, so bring your family. I mean, you could hear, we could hear the energy that he brought on the phone. Imagine that in person and put to music. Uh, everything you're going to hear is originally composed by him. And um, it's, it's, it's going to be quite an event. Yeah, and I've had the wonderful uh, opportunity to be able to listen to him in concert. And it is, it is something you do not want to miss. So again, Monday, September 20th, that's next Monday at 7 p.m. St. Santa Joachim Church. All right, we are beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, the second hour of Real Presence Live, and we are going to kick it off with a bang because we, were ta- we are talking about a saint who is the patron of orators, which as radio hosts, he would be one of our patrons, sure. correct? Mm-hmm. And his feast day is today. His name is St. John Chrysostom, and there is no one better to have on the air to talk about him than Mike Aquilina. So good morning, Mike. Thanks for being on with us. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would, and why you're qualified to talk about St. John Chrysostom. Well, I'm a writer, uh, mostly of books. Uh, I also do some incidental journalism. I am a contributor to Angelus News. I have a podcast called Way of the Fathers uh, that 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 talks about the early Christians and their lives and their works. And I'm I'm executive vice president at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. Now, all of that said, I don't think I'm qualified to talk <laughs> about St. John Chrysostom because he's totally totally awesome, and uh, and he's just one of these giants. In Christian history, who uh, who who rightly leaves people awed and um, and and just uh, just just uh, amazed by his presence and his gifts. You know, dedic- dedicating one block to this saint, 
uh, really doesn't do it justice in a sense because there's there's a lot of his writings and there's a lot of things written about him for for he was in he was in, was it three ninety seven when was he born I mean he was it's, this was way back and yet there's still so much wealth of of writing and and uh, words about him. That's right. He's one of the great figures, one of the giants from the early church, and so much of his writing has been preserved. So much of his preaching has been preserved. Now, his name, Chrysostom, is is not a given name. It's not a family name. It's a nickname. It means golden mouth, and he was nicknamed golden mouth early in his uh, his his years as a priest because he could preach like no one anyone had ever had ever encountered. He was, he was trained by the great, greatest orator of his age, uh, that was Labanius. Labanius was a pagan, and he was known as the great trainer of the emperors. So this is where the imperial family sent their most promising children in order to learn the trade. Uh, Chrysostom is known as Labanius's greatest student. And Labanius, who, again, was a pagan, considered Chrysostom to be his greatest student. So, so that's the kind of amazing guy he was from very early on. Uh, he, was, um, he had a, a, a lifetime devoted to, our, to, to, to Jesus, really. He, um, from a very early age, he, uh, he knew where his life was leading. He wanted to live as an ascetic on the mountain near Antioch. That's where he grew up. He wanted to live as an ascetic and just read the scriptures all day and all night. And uh, he tried it. He went up there, up the mountain, and they say he ate hardly anything. He had a wretched diet, and he would try to stay awake all night. He would, he would read the scriptures by the light of a torch, and he would hold his arms outstretched so that he did not fall asleep. And he would commit the books of Holy Scripture to memory so that he could he, he, he could have them at his, uh, at his beck and call whenever he wanted. They were there in his memory. Now, his health did not hold up, so the other monks on the mountain had to take him back down into the city. Once he got back down into the city, he was ordained a deacon pretty quickly, and that's when he started his preaching. And that's when he amazed people. He began to amaze people. For someone that really wanted to be, um, you know, live a, a life of a hermit, the Lord kind of said, I don't think that's going to work, right? I mean, he, his, his life led him, uh, or the Lord led his life in a, in a way that he most likely didn't expect. That's right. And, and, you know, we all have plans for our lives. And Father Grishel used to say, you know, if you want to make God laugh, show him your five-year plan. I mean, see, it's not that St. John wanted bad things for his life. He wanted to just contemplate the Word of God in solitude on a mountain. He wanted to dedicate his life entirely uh, to God. And, uh, and, 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 but God had other plans. Yeah, I, I think that's amazing. And, you know, obviously he, went, he would go on to do amazing things and great things. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But I just want to talk about his preparation and the way he lived his life before that point, you know, in staying up all night or trying to stay up all night and and read and study scripture so that he could memorize it so that he could use it. I, I mean, there's a great example here for us, isn't there, Mike? Yes. Yeah, I mean, we all want some good things. You know, most of our desires are a mix, but all of us want some good things. Well, how badly do we want them? Do we want them as badly, you know, as desperately as a miser wants gold? You know, that's what we have to ask ourselves, you know, and do we want them as badly as John wanted, wanted to know God? So he was willing to do anything it took 
to get to know God better. Stay up all night. Go without meals. Just power through everything. Study hard. You know, study all of these things. And most of us are averse to hard work and effort, you know. So, so John really does give us a model of discipline, but also a model of, of discerning and following God's will. John wanted good things. He had a good plan for his life. God had better things in mind for him, and God had a different plan, so it took some adjusting on his part. Yeah, I think that's an important point. You know, there are lots of good things to do in the world as far as serving the Lord, but we're not called to all of them. And so, really having that heart for Christ and that ear for Christ's calling is really important, wouldn't you say? Yes, yes, yes. Discernment is an ongoing thing. Most of us think it's like, oh, well, I, you know, i gotta, I got to work through this algebra problem of discernment early in life. Does God want me to be married? Does God want me to enter religious life or the priesthood? And once we answer that question, question well, discernment is over. No, it's not. <laughs> our life is unfolding, and our life is going to have stages, and our life is going to have all kinds of surprises. We're not going to like all of them. But we have to see God working, even in the ones we don't like. And we have to say, where is he leading me next? What is he trying to, to do with me through these, through these circumstances? And that's what John did. And, 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 and he, it, it played out in, into the most amazing life. It helped to have um, a mother that was, um, that was able to provide resources and really set a base for St. John, wouldn't you say? Uh, yes, yes, yes. She was widowed at a very early age. She was very young. She found herself a widow with a baby, and that was John. Uh, her husband had been a had, had been had worked in some official capacity. He had a Roman name, so he was likely, uh, you know, part of the military or part of the civil government. Um, she seems to have had some money left to her and was able to um, to get by on that. She consecrated her widowhood. She decided that she would never marry. And John, as a good son, points out that his mother was stunningly beautiful, so she could have married many, many different men. But she, and, and, um, and she also had an aunt who lived with her, who was, who was a, a consecrated virgin. So, uh, so the three of them had a kind of monastic household. It was an unusual upbringing, but it was a life of prayer and study. It was a focused life from very early on. Now, all that said, Anthusa really did not want her son to enter the ascetical life, the contemplative life. She did not want him to leave her. She was okay with him having a public life, uh, maybe serving the Church, but not to go away from her and, as she put it, make her a widow all over again. If you're just tuning in, we're visiting with Mike Aquilina about the saint of the day, St. John Chrysostom. And he has an incredible, an incredible, uh, what would you call it, um, of a list of accomplishments. And he, he first and foremost started with formation. Uh, and that began with his mother, and that began by going up into the mountains and studying scripture. And so, we're going to talk about what all of this led to when we continue on Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these planned gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our planned giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Need some inspiration or rejuvenation? Real Presence Radio's Fall Awaken Live Drive will be just the thing for you. Join us September 15th through the 17th for stories that will inspire and a chance to hear how Real Presence Radio is working in spreading faith and hope throughout the Midwest. Tune in September 15th through the 17th for the Fall Awaken Live Drive right here on Real Presence Radio. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts this morning, Brandon Clark, joined by... Uh, Uncle John Clark. Uncle John Clark. We're having a great conversation with Mike Aquilina about the saint of the day, St. John Chrysostom. And so before the break, we had talked about his preparation and how his formation led him to becoming, well, what Mike called him a giant of the early church, a giant from the early church as far as what he was able to do for our church and the way that he lived and and what he has given us through his writings. And so uh, we're going to continue that discussion now. Mike, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. So, a couple of things here. He was known as the patron saint of orators and preachers. I think we want to go through what that means and, and why he was that. But then I think it also would be good to talk about why he was so influential in the early church. Well, he, he really made his reputation when the people in the city of Antioch got, uh, got into a, a, a bit of hot water. Okay, they had torn down statues of the Emperor Theodosius and his family. Uh, they, there was a riot. You know, just the people got all worked up. Uh, you know, of course, the, the basic issue, as always, revolved around taxation. And they, you know, they, they got worked up and they took down the statues. Now, when you take down the emperor's image, that is like taking down the emperor himself. Okay, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's, 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 it can be punished by death, and it usually was. And Theodosius, uh, you know, he, he had a, later on, he kind of developed a track record for uh, reacting uh, intemperately, 
and sometimes with violence. <laughs> so John, uh, so the bishop of, of Antioch runs away to the Constantinople to plead with the emperor to have mercy on his city. And John, meanwhile, is back there, and he, and he preaches a series of masterpieces, these great homilies that at once castigated the people for their sins, but also consoled them with Christianity, helping them to understand how they can rise up from here, how they can grow from here, how they may be punished, but they can endure their punishment as the saints of past ages did. And this was, this was amazing. I put them on the map. Now, the people were spared. So the, 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 the main perpetrators were punished, but the people of Antioch were spared the kind of um, punishment that other cities had under, uh, undergone in similar circumstances. So, so John really made a name for himself. He won the affection of his people, and he won their admiration. He also got the attention of the emperor uh, uh, and, and of the city of Constantinople, because he, he, he had done this. Um, so he had a productive run of years then, about, about you know, uh, another 15 years there, where he just, he just kept on with these amazing homilies, amazing works of, of, of prose, and, uh, and, and, and became known worldwide as, as a great orator. So, so he was a, a model in his time for, for oratory, for preaching, and that's why he became patron later on of oratory and preaching. That's how he got his name, again, Chrysostom, which means golden mouth. His St. John is actually celebrated by uh, not only Catholics, but Orthodox, Anglican, mm-hmm. Lutheran. What, what are some of the things that um, uh, the Catholic Church can take away with, uh, with St. John and remembering him, and, and uh, how can we learn from him today? Well, the obvious thing is the importance of the homily. Uh, you know, that's, that's it. I mean, people used to go to Mass just to hear John preach, because he was that good. You know, he gave them substance Sunday after Sunday. He even complained that people were, were just showing up for the liturgy and then leaving after the homily to go out to watch, watch a ball game somewhere. You know, he, he wanted them to stay for the liturgy. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and, but but he, was, he was a draw. He was a real draw because of the excellence of his preaching. Now, he had skills and he had training that, that not everybody's going to have. But still, his life shows us the importance of the homily. Um, the other thing he teaches us is courage. Uh, John preached the truth, even when he knew the truth would hurt. He didn't just say to the people of Antioch, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm really sorry about this mess you're in. You know, he told them how they got into that mess through their own sins. He confronted them, even though he knew that that would sting, that that would be unpopular. Well, then he gets to the capital city, and he treats the imperial family the same way. Especially, he talks about the empress, Eudoxia, and, and her faults, you know, her, her vanity, the fact that she's erecting statues to herself, the, the fact that she spends more money on her makeup, uh, you know, uh, than, than, than most people, you know, can afford to spend on meals in a year. You know, so, so John is, um, is, uh, is, is, is kind of doing a public shaming of the imperial family. Now, for that, he got the preacher's usual reward for doing such things, which, which, which was that over time he was tried, he was banished, he was exiled, and, and, and really he died from the harsh conditions of his exile because he had alienated the empress. Hmm. 
what did his witness do for the church after they saw him suffer so mightily for calling out the empress and, and the imperial family? Well, what's interesting is that the people of Constantinople continued to love him and venerate him, uh, and and, uh, and 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 the exile of John ended up being no help for the imperial family. It did not improve their popularity, and so in the next generation, uh, the the son of of, um, of the emperor who had who had exiled John had to welcome John's body back to Constantinople and, and do it with a triumphal parade with all of the people thronging the streets. So after that, you know, the Church clearly holds up John as an example of, of what a preacher should be. The preacher should be someone who speaks truth and even speaks truth to power. Did, did he, was he, um, did he work, uh, for lack of better terms, but was he the, the preacher for the emperor and empress, or was he just brought to Constantinople just to, to be there? Well, he was hired by the emperor. The emperor selected the bishop for the capital city back in those days. Um, and, and so he was specially selected by the emperor. But I think, you know, the emperor, he gave the emperor more than he had bargained for. <laughs> um, uh, he, he was not the, um, the private preacher uh, to the imperial household, but they were certainly aware of what he was preaching every single week, because then whatever the bishop preached was news in the town. Think of it. Oratory was entertainment. There, there was no radio. There was no TV. There, was, there were no podcasts or Internet or anything like that. The entertainment in a city was oratory, and it was that way until early in the 20th century. Uh, you know, when Woodrow Wilson came to P- Pittsburgh, he gave a two-hour address to a packed house. This is what you expected. You expected to be entertained by speaking. And, um, and, and that's what John did. So when they exiled him, uh, they, people still came to him to hear him, right? Yes, yes. So and, imagine and, and, what the and, emperor and empress think about that. <laughs> uh, well, oh, yes, because you know that people were laughing at, at, uh, at the empress as a result of John's preaching. When John called her a Jezebel, you better believe that people were repeating that in the streets, and, and, and members of the court were reporting it immediately to the emperor. You know, it's, it, what's really interesting is if the emperor told him, he, like, he had to have known who he was and what he was talking about. Is there any indication as to why the emperor chose him? I think I think he just wanted to have the best. You know, emperors are proud, and they want to have the best of everything. If, if it's going to, going to be in a capital city, well, I want the best guy around. And John was undoubtedly the best preacher alive. He was an amazing writer. He was an amazing um, uh, 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 orator. You know, he could deliver it. He, he could do it not only on paper, but he could deliver it from the pulpit. And everybody knew that. And John was a student of Libanius, who was universally respected as a trainer of rhetoricians. So, yeah, yeah, he's the guy. You know, I want the best for my city. Well, here's what you get when you get the best. Yeah. So in a day and age, Mike, where we have lots of voices around us in our culture, how can St. John be the golden voice and help us be witnesses ourselves to the truth of Christ? 
Well, one way is to get to know his, 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 his actual writings. They're available online for free. You know, you can read so much of what John wrote. You know, his great commentaries on St. Matthew, for example, but also on a lot of the Pauline epistles on the Acts of the Apostles. Go to newadvent.org. They're there. They're free. And they're in good translations. Start reading him. Take it on as spiritual reading. Read a little bit every day, because we don't have as much time as people had then uh, to uh, to sit and listen. We also don't have the patience or the skill or the discipline. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, but go ahead and, and get into John. Read him and, and, and read him prayerfully and say, what can this teach me about living in my own tumultuous times? Because it's not as if John was living in some kind of bucolic backwater or something like that. He was living... Uh, the heart of the city and the heart of the capital city of the world. Some of the lessons on, of that that he he teaches us are so applicable today on marriage, on the Eucharist. Um, it's just amazing how timeless his his words are and can be. Yes, he's right, writing from the ancient church. But I recently wrote a book on the Mass. It's um, it's called the Holy Mass. It came out from Catholic University of America Press, and it's just the sayings of the Fathers related to the parts of the Mass. Well, I ended up using Chrysostom more than anyone else, because he loved the Mass, and he, he wrote about the Mass so poetically and so forcefully that he became known as the Eucharistic Doctor in tradition, and he, he earned that name. Oh, wonderful. Where can people find that book, Mike? Uh, well, um, at, uh, I, I always say the best place to buy my books is CatholicBooksDirect.com. CatholicBooksDirect.com. Uh, they usually have them at the best prices, and the Holy Mass is there at that place. But you can also find it on the website of um, Catholic University of America Press. It's also on all the online uh, booksellers, you know, like um, Barnes & Noble and whatever that other one is that begins with an A. Just let in here, here in the last couple of minutes, what message, if there is a message that listeners are going to take away this morning about St. John Chrysostom, what would that be? Love the Mass and love the poor. And you can't really love the Mass unless you love the poor. Uh, you know, he, he often said that, you know, that, that um, we see Christ in the beggar uh, before we see him in the, um, in, in the gifts on the altar, and that's what we have to strive to do. He called people... To, um, to live the Mass that way, so that they were always aware of the presence of Christ wherever they went, even in his most challenging disguises, as Mother Teresa later put it. Mm. Mike, thanks so much for being on with us this morning. Hey, thanks for having me. You, again, you can find his book, The Holy Mass, at catholicbooksdirect.com, catholicbooksdirect.com. And if you want to learn more about St. John Chrysostom and find his writings, as Mike mentioned, you can find them on New Advent. All right, up next, we're going to talk about sacramentals versus superstition, and there's a question we're going to ask Father Peter Andrel. I'm curious to know his answer. The question is, can Catholics become too superstitious in things? Stay with us for more Real Presence Live. We'll answer that question and have a wonderful discussion with Father Peter Andrel of the Diocese of Fargo as Real Presence Live continues. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 